The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me tonight are two very special guests. We've got Portia. How are we? I'm the first time the most special, Rick. Uh-huh. Rick is certainly yeah, uh, a very, really very long way second in this one. How are you, mate? <laughs> Screw you. Hey, welcome to the Big Footy Podcast. Look, you make us change tonight. the bloody podcast awesome. date three times. You change the time four times. Like, come on, mate. Well, that's who calls the shots here then, Macca. Let's face it. Hey? True. Very true. Uh, you're too Good accommodating. Work. You guys are very accommodating. But you allowed, you allowed me to play basketball with my sons really badly and pop my finger, and uh, but all good. I had fun. I enjoyed being a blue waffle once again. <laughs> good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good work. <clears throat> right, well, let's get straight into it and talk about some trade news. Um, not much has happened at Port Adelaide just yet, but... Uh, what a crazy trade week it's been across the AFL so far. And uh, first off, I guess I want your opinions on Hawthorne. Um, look, probably two of the most incredible, aggressive trades in the modern era. Saying goodbye to two club heroes in full-time premiership players, uh, Jordan Lewis, um, who looks like he's on his way to Melbourne. And even more incredibly, four-time premiership player, captain, five-time best and fairest, Sam Mitchell, who is on his way to West Coast. Um how do you feel about those moves that um, Hawthorne have made? Uh, Porsche going first? No, nah, no, nah, you can go first, Rick. Well, I like the... I think doing two is a bit risque and can uh, change their culture. I'm a big advocate that there's a few players that drive the culture of the side, and that's obviously been Hodge, Lewis and Mitchell for a while. Um, I think, you know, Mitchell's smart and everything else, and but he has lost his leg speed. So, you know, and with Tom Mitchell coming in, they replaced Mitchell for Mitchell. So I think that's, a you know, to regenerate the list. But I, I think from and listening to, you know, the footy gossip people that, um, you know, maybe the Lewis one's a bit of a backfire, but I, I think it's a bit risque losing both of them. That's a lot of IP and knowledge out of their playing, out of their playbook that they're going to be missing come next year. It is, especially considering they finished uh, first and second in their best and fairest this year as well. Um, but I th- also think that, um, look, I, I really like it. It's ruthless, it's aggressive. I think they've maybe made a bit of a misstep with Lewis in terms of um, they gave the same spill to both players and it looks like Mitchell was happy to accept, um, at least publicly, and Lewis has sort of cracked the shits a bit. Um which I guess is not what you want to sort of do to one of your favourite sons, but um, I really do like the moves that Hawthorne have made, and uh, yeah, sort of uh, goes a long way to sort of reinvigorate their list. Yeah, look, um, my view on it is that it's an excellent move. Um, the two players, yeah, they finished first and second and best and fairest, but you know they can always be manipulated if you want to make them look good for trade. Um, but the more important thing is that they've got. They've moved on, yeah, two excellent players and they're characters of the club and they've got a lot of IP and all that stuff. But more importantly, they're both physical midfielders uh, in their later years. And physical midfielders in their later years, one nasty bump that goes the wrong way and that's their career done. And they're going to get something for them. Um, uh, And not only that, they've got the salary cap relief. You know, in the case of Sam Mitchell, they're bringing in, um, what's his name, Tom Mitchell from um, Sydney. Sydney. 
Yeah, and uh, so you know that's a that's pretty much a straight swap. I mean, it's not got the same class, but as far as they're being able to compete next year, it's it's a pretty close to a straight swap. Yeah, Lewis is hard to replace, but they've got guys like Shield there. You know, there's got a whole bunch of midfielders that are a bit bigger and that won't really. I reckon they can cover for that. But to get something out of it, uh, and not only talk about the culture of the club, like the culture of the club, this is the thing I think that Port gets wrong: is the culture of the club is bigger than players. Yeah. Um, the culture of the club that Hawthorne is showing is that you're Hawthorne, we're very professional, um, we are in this to make the club successful and we'll make you successful along the way, but as soon as that's not happening, we're making the club successful again and that's definitely not what Port is right now and it's what we used to be. Um, you know, I think that that's obviously they're in a position, they've got the success behind them, the immediate success behind them to actually set that up again, uh, whereas in the AFL we've only ever had that what one premiership and a couple of misses. Uh, so they're, they're, they're making the most of the position they're in. They're moving on players that are on a very much a steep curve for whether they'll be affected by injury, uh, even just, you know, things like twing, uh, twing a, twinging a hamstring at training or something like that. Uh, and I think, it, look, I think it's really good for their club. Uh, and it also tells the guys that they're bringing in, hey, there's opportunities, yeah? yeah. We're not going to play gold card players when they're not performing. There's room for you right now. Get in there and prove yourselves. And that's a really feel, nice thing. I feel sorry for their fans more than anything else in terms of, you know, he's two favourite sons. They've won eight uh, premierships between them. Uh, especially someone like Sam Mitchell, Mitchell who spent his whole career either at Box Hill or Hawthorne from the age of like 18 onwards. I guess Jordan Lewis has done that as well. But um, I, I really do feel sorry for the fans who haven't or don't get the chance to say goodbye to these um, heroes. Well, I mean, that's really not as though their careers are going to be super long at this point, and they will always be remembered as Hawthorne players, and they will always come back to premiership dinners and all these things. I mean, they're never gone from that club now, you know? They're never gone from that club. So it's not. I don't think it's as big a loss as it it sounds. I think that the the magnitude of the loss of those players is nothing compared to the positives of them going. Yeah. Oh, look, Dylan's had a few words to say on the Spreaker chat. He's told me to get a grip. (laughs) <laughs> big big deal. I shouldn't feel sorry for them, but uh, and has also said up yours, Maka. Screw you, Dylan. Screw you. No, nah, I'm with <laughs> Dylan on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Although I just think, well, look, if uh, if the same thing happened with Treadray and bloody Wanganine after we won a premiership, I'm, you know, I would have been bloody distraught. But uh, yes, I do get the port the point. They've won four premierships in eight years, and uh, yeah. Look, you might be distraught, but if you're getting, if you could see that you're going to improve because of it, um, you know, I, I, I think I'd be okay with that. I still think oh, I can't help but feel that they're banking too much on getting Yegro Mira right for someone with that sort of injury who hasn't played an AFL game in two years. Looks like they're going to give up a hell of a lot to get him. Um, will it come off? Will it be worth it? Um, I. I, look, I, I kind of feel like you're, well, one of us is, I think you're misreading. You're misreading it, Macca, um, in that I think that what Hawthorne are doing is one of the West Coast little perfectly timed dropouts. Um, so they'll have a down year this year coming up. And what a coincidence, like West Coast always does, it's in a good draft year. Um, <laughs> you know, they'll have the little bit of a rebuild. They'll have a couple of good young players coming in, which they haven't had for a few years because of their success. Um, and then maybe the year after that, they'll make, finish lower in the finals, maybe get a you know, top 11, 12 pick or something like that the year after that. And then, you know, 2019, they're back up there again. There's no reason why they couldn't be. So yeah. um, I, I think I think this is a calculated small drop 
to in preference to what is well we're going to see it from North Melbourne a huge crash um, you know like that's what North Melbourne's lined themselves up for by keeping Brent Harvey around for as long as he has and then retiring four guys in the same year for no return like that's they've set themselves up for that yeah yeah um, so I, I think I think it's long term list management which is <clears throat> frustrating to see at another club. Mm. <laughs> Mm. Well, GWS are also making moves. They've uh, successfully moved from uh, pick seven to pick two in this year's draft, um, which means that they are sure of getting pretty well the player that they want, plus all the um, all the academy kids that they uh, feel like cherry picking as well, which uh, is pretty scary for the competition. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they still only got a forty-man list, though. They've got to reduce their list size. You can they, they can keep doing it, but sooner or later they're going to hit free agency. They're going to have success. They're not going to. I don't know. I don't know. And I guess the other thing is that it's an inevitability. It's not. It's not a, a question of. It's an inevitability that they will have the um, the Murray River area taken away from them. That's oh, certainly happen. at some point you would within, think that will happen within oh. within. Within four years, it'll be gone. Yeah, damage might already be done by then. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it'll stop it, stop it being forever. <laughs> true. No, very true. It'd, it'd be nice if we could take advantage of some of the uh, the churn of their better players, though. That, w- that would be uh, would be nice. But um, you know, I guess, like Porsche said, they've only got a 40-person list, so they've got to keep rotating, and there's a lot of fringe, good-quality fringe players they're picking up that they can't play, and... Uh, yeah, we just need to be in a position to uh, to be able to get them, and unfortunately, we're not at this point in time. Yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing that is probably underrated um, is the fact that they have huge amounts of money and no fans. Um, that's really powerful, believe it or not. Uh, if you've got no fans and you don't have to worry about what supporters think about the moves you make, so you can be completely cold and clinical. And if you've got money, you can afford to take dips at various times. You don't have to worry about, oh, we've got to look competitive next year. It's like, no, we don't give a shit. We've got lots of money and no fans. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that, that's, a, that's an unspo- it's an unconsidered strength of GWS, I think, is just being in that position to say, nah, fuck the public. This is what we're doing because we want to win. Mm. <laughs> Good old swear bear there. Good on you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good me. One. <laughs> okay, that's that me. Hey, hey, hey. That wasn't me swearing. That was Greater Western Sydney swearing. So blame oh, them. Right, okay. Oh. I'll, I'll send them the uh, the letter. And uh, there we go. Uh, Collingwood are also making moves. Um, not sure they're the correct ones, but they're certainly moves. Um, they've offered huge deals to Chris Mayne and Daniel Wells, which uh, baffles me completely. But uh, your thoughts, peeps? Quality players. Quality players. Uh, I think it's great. What the hell are they doing? I think they've offered, what is it, $1.8 million to Daniel Wells over three years. He's 32 and hasn't really played a lot of footy in uh, in recent times. And uh, Chris Mayne is, uh, has been offered something similar, something like uh, 500k a year for four years or something. I mean, it's just... Oh, I've got no idea what they're doing, to be honest. Um, when Collingwood won their premiership, uh, with Mick Mouldhouse at the helm, I was probably one of the few that thought that was fantastic because you could see that that was a move that was going to cause problems for Collingwood. So they're in a situation where beloved son Nathan Buckley, he's been around for a premiership, but he hasn't coached one. Mm. Um, he can't claim credit for it. It's how do you get rid of him because he was part of that premiership. 
but he kind of wasn't, and he's a head coach. I mean, it's it's really like the the challenge they've got now is in justifying getting rid of Nathan Buckley the same way we were stru- stuck for so long getting rid of Choco. Um, mm. In that this year they're giving him free license to do what he needs to do to justify keeping his job. And if he goes out and he makes these moves like three years for Daniel Wells and all this stuff, it'll fuck Collingwood's list, but it'll justify them moving him on. I think that's I think that might be. I mean, it's really. Again, I suppose this is the opposite thing. Like Collingwood have lots of fans, but they do also still have lots of money. So if they get some backlash, they can probably weather it out for a couple of years. Um, but I think that's what they're doing. They're giving him just the full support, saying, "Okay, if you don't get results this year, we agree. We both agree you're going to get the chop." And Nathan will say yes because he's Nathan Buckley. He thinks he can win, and then off he goes. That's my view. Yeah. Well, I think it's certainly like, um, uh, the play of uh, Gubby Allen and Dylan has said the same thing. He said crazy Gubby on the speaker chat. Um, look, it, I don't think it was crazy Vossi back, uh, you know, five or six years ago with Brisbane. I think Gubby Allen uh, masterminded those trades back then as well. And uh, look, I think he's uh, a little bit trigger happy, is uh, is Gubby Allen. And um, I've just got no idea what they're trying to do with their list. Um, they've now just lost Nathan Brown to St Kilda. Jack Frost is going to Brisbane. They've got no key defenders. Um, they've got not a lot of tall talent up forward either. Um, well, they could be in trouble. They could be putting all their eggs in the wrong basket here. Yeah. I think they are in trouble. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a nice forward, though. He looks pretty good. Moore. Yeah, Moore's, Moore's good. Um, and who else? That's about it. Pendlebury. Pendlebury. Pendlebury's, mm. what, 29 or something. So that's Yeah, good. now there's yeah. a question for you. If you were Collingwood and you were trying to be Hawthorne, would you consider trading Pendlebury? Absolutely. Yeah, if you can get what you can get for it. I think Joffa yeah. would tear down um, Victoria Park, but uh, apart you'd from that... It, you? Yeah, you'd, get a, you'd get a good price for Pendleby right now in this trade week. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, hey, enough of that. Hey, just uh, quickly. Yes? Is that Goldstein rumour true? Oh, who knows? Could be. Probably not. Might not be. Don't know. <laughs> so let's, let's assume it's true just for the sake of idle gossip. Would you take someone at your footy club with that sort of character? What's he done? Uh, doesn't does. adultery. Well, the rumor is that he, yeah. Yeah. How about That's we talk it. about it off air, and uh, we'll come to that conclusion. Oh, but it's a good on air topic. <laughs> Not really. It's just think, idle well, chit chat. No, I think no, it's irrelevant. Absolutely no, irrelevant. It's, it's about the the character of a person. If if they if they if someone does is willing to do that, do you want to bring them into the footy club, or it doesn't matter and it's just a, or and it's just a personal personal issue? The only reason it was a big deal with Glenn Archer and Wayne Carey was because they were both teammates at the same club. If he's had a adulterous affair with someone unconnected with the club, then whatever that's his personal life. Yeah, it doesn't mm. upset the club dynamic. Goldstein rocks up to training the same the next day as he did the day before. Um, you know, I, I think that like that was the only reason that was such a big deal. I mean, admittedly, also the profile of those two players in particular. But I'm sure that's happening right now. That there's players out there having adulterous affairs with, um, you know, other 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 people that aren't part of the club, and no one gives a stuff. So no, I think it's a big beat up. Interesting. Mm. Right. Let's uh, get on with it and talk about our player reviews this week. Um, this week's group is titled The Up and Down. What about, what about our trades? 
What about our trade? Oh, all our trades that we've done. Yeah, let's talk about them. Yeah. All right, done. Yeah. Um, now, on to the up and down. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we haven't made any. Tonight. <laughs> we haven't made any. Mac I'd be in a less shitty mood if we actually pulled our finger out of our <laughs> ass and actually made some bloody trades. But what about the innuendo of the potential trades that might occur? <laughs> well, look, there's there's about eight different stories about what might happen tomorrow, including trading Brendan Archie to Gold Coast, trading him to Brisbane, trading him in a bloody first-round pick to Gold Coast. Um, who knows what might happen? Right. Excellent. That's awesome. Mm. But, you know, I, but I think that's the fundamental... Um, issue that will resolve all our list problems in trading Brendan Archie. I, I think that's paramount to our trade week, to be honest. Mm. Look, yeah, I don't know. Look, I mean, I, I just described the, 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 the problem scenario that Collingwood is having with Nathan Buckley. The only reason I'm not saying that Port are having the same problem is that I just can't believe that they would think everyone's so attached to a guy that hasn't had any real success. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I mean, Hinkley's been alright. He's been a fun ride, but so what? You know, he has not. He's not an ex-player or anything. I don't know. Well, you think but, we should chop him? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the way we're running our list by backing everyone in and not making big list changes, so he can have his crack again next year with Ryder back and yada yada yada. Um, it feels like we're doing favors to the players and the coaches, rather than you know what is actually. Deserved slash good for us. Mm. Anyway, that's that. Let's move on. Ryan has asked the question, why is Macca so angry? Um, I don't know. We've got Hawthorne making yeah. moves to make themselves stronger. We've got GWS making themselves stronger. We've got Frio making themselves stronger. We've got Collingwood doing something. Not sure what they're doing. Um, I want to do something as well. Let's Let's get on the trade block. Come on. Oh, you want to play? I want to play. I want some well, goodies here. Well, this is like going to the Royal nice. Show and not getting a show back. Like, what's the point? <laughs> oh, look, look, I've got to say that the minute we started talking about trading out from like pick nine and things like that, and God knows what else, or bringing in Daniel, uh, not to Stephen Motlop, the my enthusiasm for doing these draft reports. Podcast really goes goes down every time I hear that. <laughs> it's like it just feels like I mean back in two thousand and one when we had like one live pick, you know that, that was a really shitty draft year for yeah. us. I mean it was a shitty draft year for multiple reasons, but also just like eh, we're not in this. Who cares? <laughs> I've got to say it's I'm feeling a little bit pointless at the moment because the whole reason behind doing it mm-hmm. was the, because of the thought that we were going to actually be aggressive at trade week. Yeah, right. Uh, get a few picks in. And then there'd be some players to discuss. But at the moment, we've got pick 9 and pick 81, 87 and 88. So, thanks very much. Yeah. With, with hindsight, did we miss the boat even in 2014 when players had reputation and had done something? And was that the time to move um, some of these fringe players on? Um, Obviously, in hindsight, the O'Shea trade should have gone through at the end of 2014. But, you know, at the time, he looked like becoming a very, very important player for this footy club. So it's really hard to look at things in hindsight and say, we should have done this, should have done that. Um, I think it's pretty clear we shouldn't have given given, uh, Hamish Hartlett a five-year deal 
Uh, probably shouldn't have given Lobie a four-year deal, but again, at the time, I mean, that looked okay. He was coming off his career best year. Um, uh-huh. Led our ruck all year. Had a pretty bloody decent year too. I mean, it's easier to say things in hindsight, but um, I guess the big problem yeah. is that when you get offered first-round picks for players that are underachieving, you've got to try and make sure that you push them through. Yeah, and I, I, look, I don't think I don't think much of it is in hindsight, frankly, Macca. I think a lot of it was sort of said at the time. Um, I, I think when you talk about trading out players that look like they've hit a little peak and then trading them out then, I mean, there's a couple of players like that every year. Like this year, you'd have to say Aaron Young. You know, he started the season well. Yeah. He kind of faded in the second half. Now, we're all thinking, yeah, Young is fine. He'll play 22 games next year. He might. Or he might have the same season as this year. Or he might have a worse season. And there's certainly no reason to think that he's going to be as good as this year. Um, you know, he hasn't, got, he hasn't got a proven track record. But there's enough there that a club that says, ah, we need a forward. Yeah, he's on the rise. He's in that right age group that he has potential ahead of him and somewhere to go. Let's give him a crack. Those are the guys you can move on. Um, occasionally want to work out badly for you. But most, you know, if you pick the right ones, most of the time they won't. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if we're going to do yeah. that, I mean, Young should be on the trade block. So should Trengo. So should Sam Gray, really. Um, well, I don't know about Tringo. There are three oh. players that have probably peaked in terms of value right now. I think oh. Tringo probably has, but I wouldn't trade him because of our weaknesses in on field. But Sam Gray, mm. absolutely. I mean, he's apparently is. I think Ryan Pillar said earlier, or Bevan said earlier on the Spreaker chat that he's up to trade, so that would be good. Mm. Um, you know, there's players every year that you could move along, so we, we yeah. just don't do it. I just think it's underwhelming just to be talking about Brendan Archie. And, um, yeah, when there's a whole lot, exactly like you've just said, like Sam Gray, for example, and even Aaron Young, and take advantage of his uh, peak season. And O'Shea in in 14 would have been a great one because maximum value. And, yeah, uh, yeah, we just haven't been ruthless enough in that regard. Well, that was one of the questions um, that we got on the speaker uh, on, sorry, the uh, the big footy forum, um, which was from CT Power, which was, what would you consider a pass mark for Port Adelaide Footy Club for Trade Week? And for me, uh, um, what I would consider a pass mark is uh, no longer going to happen. So it's a huge fail. Yeah, for me, a pass mark would be moving on one of the guys that is, you know, high in the good guys list and not as high in the importance to our side list or the... Um, in consistent form over multiple seasons list. Yeah? <laughs> like, you know, I don't care where they're on the good blokes list. It's the other two I give a stuff about. And if we if we had traded those regardless of the good blokeness, then I, I would consider that a pass mark. Who's, who's look, that? Look, people always say, oh, I don't know. look, we're, like we're hamstrung in terms of um, Hartlett and Lobie and Broadbent and their contract and whatever. But you know what? Travis Cloak's contracted. He's going to move on. Uh, Jordan Lewis is contracted. He's moving on. You know, there's you can come up with excuses why not to do a trade. Um, in the end, we've had the chance. We haven't pushed hard enough. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, well, I, I mean... Been, the, the, sorry, the, I was the, just the, going to say, I, I would have been happy if we traded one of Broadbent, Hartlett, Westhoff, Lobie, preferably Lobie, and O'Shea, and got into the second round and got something else. I would trade all, four, all five of those. <laughs> yeah, well, if we, could have, if we could get a trade for five, <laughs> could have, I would have. Yeah, look, I mean, the thing about Cloak is, like, he probably foresees a future because he's actually had a season where he has gen- legitimately been dropped for all of it, whereas Lobby still seems to be a straight-back in-win fit guy. That's that's the difference. Um, you know, 
when he's had a season where he's looked at his match payments dwindling, dwindling, and he thinks they might be a bit better at another club, so he's willing to move. Whereas Lobby has looked at a season where he's played shit, he got injured and got injury payments, and he came as soon as he was fit to play again, he got elevated pretty much straight to the top side to be an ordinary ruck. So he hasn't had that wake-up call because our selections don't give those wake-up calls. So there you go. That's it. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Let's get on with our player reviews. Um, it's titled The Up and Down. We're going to talk about some of the inconsistent players on our list. Um, the first one is Brendan Archie, who is uh, 22 years old. It was his fifth year at Port Adelaide. Played 11 AFL games, kicked four goals, averaged uh, 15 touches, three and a half marks and three inside 50s. Uh, it was a pretty impressive 2015 for Brendan um, through the second half of that year, but uh, he just didn't kick on in 2016. Yeah, look, I mean, the telltale sign from 2015, and we were all pretty hopeful because he did show some exceptional skill, um, but the telltale sign was, I mean, he was in playing in that second half of the year when we'd sort of blown the season and we were just sort of in it for a bit of pride or I don't know what you want to call it, but the the... We had a lot of easier games in that second half than we did in that first half, and that was sort of when he excelled. Um, but this year, he, you know, those little glimpses of his game just disappeared. He's got more attention now that he was known. Um, apparently, there was something on the forum, Big Footy Forum, about him being told to kick more and not just hand pass all the time. And um, there was a criticism of that, but I actually think that's probably fair enough. Like, he needs to be able to do everything. Every player needs to be able to do a bit of everything, you know. Stewie do kick short kicks all the time. Um, so... Uh, I don't know whether it is that I don't know if that's the reason they're trying to keep him on because this was a development year for him, but it's weird to do a development year like this after AFL debut in the way he has. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's been a bit of a well, it's a lost season, no doubt, and he's certainly in a position where we'd have to question whether he's going to be an AFL footballer, frankly. Yeah. Look, he did. I think he probably developed a little bit in terms of he was a bit more consistent this year, um, but. Look, I, I was expecting big things from Brendan this year. I was expecting him to be a you know, pretty valuable part of our 22 with his uh, skill set, you know, his clearance winning ability, huge handball, a big point of difference, but uh, just didn't turn out, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, he, he just really lost the elements of his game that made him exciting at the, in the last year. Like, he lost that long handball. Like, did he do it once this year? Um, I can't recall. You know, I don't think he no, did. I, I don't reckon he did. Um, you know, he he really lost everything that makes him exceptional uh, in that or look exceptional in that second half of last year. He, he lost all of it. He didn't he didn't do any of it. Um, and that, I think that's probably because he had closer attention on him. Um, you know, the long hand passes are nice, but you can't really do those long wind up hand passes when you're in actual heavy traffic. That's quite no, hard to right. do. And if he doesn't, if you don't, if you don't have the head for it, then maybe you're not able to do it. Maybe yeah. he doesn't have the head for it. Mm. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think um, I think Brendan obviously suffers from uh, confidence issues. I think I think he's got the I think he's got the skills to to deliver, but I just I haven't seen enough consistency from him over five years, and even at Magpies level, um, to suggest that he's going to be able to pull it together. Yeah. So, if we can if we can get offered a reasonable deal, I mean, what would you take third round and anything third round, second round? You'd be happy, poor. Should I take it? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, like my think my theme this season is hanging out for picks next year. So if we got like a you know a Gold Coast twenty seventeen third round pick, like I'd be pretty okay with that. Yeah. Mm. Do you think he's a player that might bite us on the ass at another club? 
No, no. Mm. No, and I'll tell you why, and it's because if he's biting us on the ass at another club, it means that we're being beaten everywhere else on the ground. Mm. He, you know, he, Brendan Archie, like if we're playing against him, he's the guy you let go. Um, you probably just pay a bit of physical attention to him and keep him close, but I mean, he, don't, he doesn't get your, your top attention. And if he is on top, if he is coming out getting, what, 20-something disposals and doing the big handballs, it means that the rest of your side's been torn apart. So, you know, he'll look good, but whether he's the cause of it, nah, doubt it. Yeah, yeah I'm with Porsche. Right, moving on. Next player is uh, Sam Gray, who is uh, 24 years old. It was his third year on Port Adelaide's list. Played 17 games, kicked four goals, averaged uh, 21 touches, three marks, six tackles, two and a half clearances a game. Um, how did you think, Average Sam? Average six tackles a game? Six tackles a game, yep. Hmm, interesting. Mm. Picked up 106 tackles go. for the season, so there you go. Um how did you think he went in uh, 2016, and uh, do you think he was able to follow on from the stunning end of uh, his 2015 form? No. no, he repeated it. So he I started. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he started poorly, and then he sort of came good again. But again, he came good again later in the season when the season was pretty much over. Um, a little bit before it was officially over, but sort of really late in the season again. I don't know. You can't take much out of that. Um, if, if clubs are interested then, you know, we're listening. <laughs> That's my view if, in terms of trade. Yeah. I just I just think for a small player, you've got to be nimble and you've got to, be hold, you've got to hold your feet. Um, you can't be a player slipping over all the time. And for a small player, I just find he just he slips over too often. I, know, I mean, that's just one of his deficiencies, but it's, um, you know, you've got to be on your feet and be able to get that loose ball and be clean all the time. And... I don't think he is, and yeah, I I was disappointed I, with Arch as well. I, I was hoping they would have kicked on this year and had great influential years after last year, but Porsche's right. Obviously, it was a softer run at the second <clears> half of the year that sort of helped them stamp it in 2015, and I, you know, he's had a plenty of opportunities now, so I mean, if we can, I think it's time to, you know, regenerate the list, uh, rejuvenate the list a little bit, so if we can uh, get something for him, or then I'd be taking it. Yeah, well, I, I didn't mind him this year. I didn't mind him this year, to be honest. I thought he actually had a pretty decent year. As I said, he ended up with 106 tackles. That's third at the club behind uh, Wines and Ebert in tackles. Average 21 touches a game. He did uh, finish with a bit of a flourish again. Um, I, I guess the the question I've got is, might be a little bit of a weird one because he had a great round one. Was great at the end of the year again. Struggled to get going through the middle part of the season. Do you think our game plan this year uh, was detrimental to his personal game? Yes, because he's not fast. Um, so at the start of the year, because we did revert during the year, let's face it. The start of the year, we were playing very much trying to be a pressing team, and a pressing team needs speed. I mean, I'm getting shit canned by Janus on the big footy forums right now over that very topic. Um, but yeah, you need to have speed to enforce the press, and he doesn't have it. So that's yeah. probably a huge part of what got him exposed. But later in the year, when we sort of just rebounded to, to slingshot more, um, he was fine. So uh, I, I don't think he suits our game plan, whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah. Certainly he doesn't sit... Not that he it, he needs to fit a specific game plan, but I just don't think he fits the type of team that we're trying to build. I don't think he, there's a spot for him in it. Yeah. So, Two interesting mm-hmm. uh, uh, comments on the Spreaker chat. Bevan has asked uh, or stated, with the stats maker, how many times did he slip over? Where long stops, uh, got to agree with that. He does uh, does do the Derek Murray thing uh, fairly often. 
Um, and JBC has also said, still does the SANFL-ish kick and hoping congestion. And that was really my point with the question that I asked, is that um, I think Sam really needs a set direction of what our game plan is, what we want to achieve, what his role in the side is to get the best out of him and get the best out of the, out of the team as a whole. Um, when we've, as, a, as an entire team, have reverted to let's just kick it long as possible, kick it high and long, which we did for pretty much the entire season, I think that was actually detrimental to Sam's game plan because we know that he is, uh, he is prone to doing that at the best of times. And I think that just gave him a bit of leeway to say, hey, this is how I just need to play. And um, it is very much an SANFL um, style of play, which is just uh, get the ball, take two steps, boot it as hard as you can. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think that in this case, the issue is, like, again, he's a smaller player, and this is not a criticism of height, this is a criticism, or well, it's not a criticism even, it's just that, you know, if, if you are a very tall player and you are lucky enough to be in an upright position, then you do have the vision in the pack to see where the ball has to go. When you're a smaller player in the middle of heavy traffic, then you've got to know where you've got to kick it to, like you say, Maka. Um And we know our forward, you know, our forward leading is not reliable. Yeah, like if it's running forward, it's okay. If it's running back from the forward line towards the centre square, it's very ordinary and all over the place. Um, and if you're playing that same great role, I mean, you've got to kick and hope, but the hope is that the person is in the spot that you have been told they're going to be in. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no there's no centre clearance midfielder in the league that 100% of their um, clearances, they've already know exactly, they, they saw the target they're hitting, uh, getting it to before they made the decision. There's not a chance. Um you know, he's not he's not exceptionally it's not an exceptional weakness for him. All of our midfielders had that problem. So yeah. Can he put it together for a season consistently, do you think? Um if he does I trade him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh this is again we talk about list spots, you know, there's not a lot of list spots and just GWS has list spot issues that are excellent. We have list spot issues that are they're there. Um, Sam Gray, like if we got an offer for Sam Gray, you'd want to take it because, you know, if you get a pick for him, well, this is the year that you draft your small players, yeah? This is the year you draft your small midfielders because they're at all levels of the draft this year. Mm. Um, you know, this is a good year for it. There's not a lot of other things to do. So, you know, small small player out, small player in, and that works pretty well. So I wouldn't mind that too much. Um, is he more important than we're giving him credit for? Like if we... And this is something that Ryan has said in the speaker chat as well. Is if we trade him out, who's picking up his twenty-one touches and six tackles a game? Uh, look, this is a bit like <laughs> this is a bit like you know when you're in uni and you're in a share house, and someone's propped up one side of the table with a box because the leg broke. It's like, oh, if we move that box, what's going to keep the table up? Get a leg. You know, <laughs> that's really what it's about. It's, you're using a substandard thing to hold up a structure. Um, and you say, well, what if we lose a substandard thing? It's like, fix it, fix it. Don't don't just lose it. Replace it with the, the actual thing for the job. So, yeah, look, you could say we can't afford to trade him out, but we can't afford to keep him either. It's not good. I'm with Porsche. Trade him. If we can get an offer for him. If we, could get, we, a, if we could get an offer between sort of 18 and 25 for him, I'd probably take that. I'd jump at that. If we could get, look, if we could get a top 40 pick for him, um, you know, I'd consider it because, you know, guys like Stephen Slimming will be around after 40. You know, there's a whole bunch of SA blokes in that small black racket, which we talk about in that draft special, and we'll be talking about more on Thursday. 
Um, you know, there's guys there that we could give a crack. Absolutely. Shameless and we've got Snelling plug, coming Porsche. on. Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But I love thanks. it. And we've, got, and we've got Snelling coming in next year after his pretty decent debut in a, an OK season when he was injured. So, you know, he, he's kind of already replaced in a way. Yeah, correct. And I don't, and we've said it before, you can't play, I can't, I don't think we can play like me, Gray, and Snelling in the same side. No, definitely not. It's, there's too many small midgets. Yeah. I think Gray and Snelling, I don't know that need is a direct relation to those two, but yeah. yeah. Right, next player is Nathan Cracker, who is uh, 28 years old. It was his uh, sixth season at Port Adelaide on, uh, in 2016. Uh, he played 15 games, kicked four goals. Average 14 touches, 2.5 tackles, 2.5 rebounds, and 3.5, uh, 1% as a game. Um, how did you see Nathan this year? Uh, Nathan Cracker is a player that when he feels comfortable, he doesn't play as well. Yeah. We know that now. We, we've, he's had his career pretty much. Like, he's 28. I'm not saying to list him. We could to list him, but I'm not saying to. Oh, yeah. um, but we know, yeah, I know. That's why I said that. But, um, you know, we know that when he has to earn his spot, like the first year he played for us, he was running everywhere, and the year after that he kind of faded off. And then when he came back the second time, I oh, was everywhere, he's doing everything. And then this year he's been around a little while, and he doesn't have that same drive behind him to, you know, the, the foot up his ass, and he didn't play all that well. Yeah, I, I just don't that. understand what we're doing with Nathan Cracker. I don't understand what his role in the team is supposed to be. Um, and you looked at how he played in 2015, um, and it was you know lots of risk taking, lots of run creativity from the back line. Uh, this year he was a lot more defensive, a lot more one on one, a lot more sort of take one step and boot it as hard as you can. Um, what, what do you think the reasons are for that sort of change in his role? Do you think it was a deliberate change in his role or do you think it is just that sort of comfort level that he's got used to? I think the coaches... I, I go back to Porsche's comment with Sam Gray. I, I just think the coaches have really lacked articulation in with a lot of the players this year and what they really want from them. And uh, To me, it, our team looked like they were confused a fair portion of the year and and Nathan Cracker was one of them. Yeah, maybe he gets a little bit complacent with a with a bit more security, but um, he was on the rookie list, right? And upgraded, so it's not he's not that secure. And um, but he just seemed really lazy this year. Even though his precise kicking out the back this year wasn't the same as the previous year, and you know he just he looked very lackadaisical and was almost like he sort of gave up a little bit, but then he'd put in some, you know, some great smothering and goal line saves at the same time. It was, it was a bit of a perplexing performance. And I know a few people said, yeah, just get rid of him. And I think you're one of them, Macca. But I don't know, when he when he's on song, he's a really good player. And maybe he's just one of those players that just needs to be in an on song team and looks really good. I don't know. But, well, I mean, um, well, I think has, the bigger coaching change maybe choked him a little bit or sort of smothered his natural flair. Maybe. <laughs> Anyone. I, look, I mean, uh, maybe, look, I, I don't agree. I don't agree. Um, just on Rick's point about him being a, you know, an, a, a player that you know sometimes he's good and sometimes he's not. I mean, there's only so many players like that you can have in your side. Um, but whether he's been affected by the change in coaching, he might have done. If he's not adaptable to new roles, then that's problematic. We know we have a few 
one position players in our side, and that's hugely problematic from a, a coaching perspective. Mm. Um, you know, we've got a bunch of these one position players. That's really bad for a team that has to be flexible. You know, flexibility is the most underrated asset of any team uh, in, in any sport, realistically. That ability to go into different roles and mix it up so that you have strategic options. So, um, if Crackers, look, if, honestly, if Crackers not able to play a different role to the one he played, it's the same problem with Hartlett. If Hartlett's not able to play anything other than, you know, loose quarterback, um, that's a huge problem that you have to resolve. And maybe it means that they're not on your list. Yeah. Well, that's the big question with Nathan Cracker is, does he deserve to stay on the list next year? I don't think it's going to come we down are, we to... Are, a... We are pretty flush with uh, back flankers, let's be serious. We've got about 15 of them. I don't think it's going to come down to reserve. I think it's going to come down to who's a good bloke, who's contracted, and who's Nathan Cracker. Because um, I'm not saying he's not a good bloke, but I'm saying he's not a good bloke, you know? Like, he hasn't been at the club for 10 years. He did run off to Gold Coast. He's probably... No, he's not Paul Stewart, is what I'm saying. Um, so, you know, I think that he might just get shoved out in the game of musical chairs for those underperforming halfback flankers, you know, because he can be gotten rid of. He's he's not under a long-term contract. I don't know. I, I think, and I, and I don't know if Zerbs is the right thing. I think there's guys I'd get rid of before him, personally. Yeah. I know you disagree, Maka, mm-hmm. but there's guys I'd get rid of before him, for sure. If we could say to anyone on the list, okay, oh, go, go, go somewhere else. Um, but I think he might be the one that gets cut. And that's probably been unfair, but, you know, we are in the bed we have made. I think he's surplus to requirements, to be honest. If if we're not trading out Hartlett, if we're not trading out Broadband, exactly. I don't exactly. see the point in having Nathan Cracker, considering he's 28 years old, he's still on the rookie list. What's the point? Well, that's the thing. I mean, he's surplus to requirements because we can't trade out the guys we sort of should be. So off he goes for nothing. Yeah, but then again, it's the wrong person that's being held accountable, isn't it? Well, I mean, he's not. Well, huge, is it? It's not is it? The he wrong didn't person. have a good year this year. He did not have a good year at all this year. So is he yeah, the wrong he's, person? He's not a lone. He's not a lone soldier, though, Macca. I no. feel like you're. Uh, I feel like he's become your scapegoat, your whipping boy. Well, not <laughs> really, because I've said the exact same things about Hartlett, about O'Shea, about Stewart, about Cleary, about. Broadband as well. So it's, it's the entire backline group that I've said the exact same thing about. Nathan's just unfortunate because he's uncontracted and he's a exactly. uh, he's on the rookie yes, list. Yeah, if that's Hartlett it. didn't have a 15-year contract, then I would gladly show him the door in, in front of Nathan Cracker. But um, unfortunately, this is the re- situation that we've got. I don't remember you being aggressive against all those players going this year. Yeah, sorry, I don't remember. Have you listened to the podcast in the last three weeks, Rick? No, but I'm talking about during the year. (laughs) I reckon uh, reckon you're trying to get on the hard-ass coattails. He's been pretty soft. No, 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 Rick. Certainly in the second half of the year, he's been pretty hard on all those, except for Tom Cleary. I don't know how Tom Cleary made your list, Macca, but the other ones, I agree, you definitely have had a go out on the podcast. He's, He's got Cleary hate going on now. But, I mean, he started the season trying to be positive like everyone did, so you've got to get it, cut him some slack, yeah? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Unlike, unlike me, after round four, I was going, two yeah. finals in nine years, not bloody good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certainly not blaming Nathan Cracker for our uh, problems at all, but, um, look, as I said, we've got more back flankers than we know what to do with. Um, he's one that's I'd on rather, the rookie you know, list. I'd rather, I don't see the point in keeping I'd him, rather to be honest. Delete. I'd rather delist O'Shea over Cracker, to be honest. Well, that might still happen. Like, oh, if, if O'Shea doesn't I find hope. a new home, he's on, uncontracted as well. So, 
He's certainly um, it's someone an, that, um, uh, it's an that might be on in a bit of trouble too. If, we, if he if he get if he's still on our list next year, sorry Porsche, but if he's still on our list next year, it's an indictment. I'd rather just to list him than keep him on our list. I wasn't paying attention. Who are we talking about now? <laughs> Cam O'Shea. Cam O'Shea. Yeah. Look, I mean, again, I think that he's just sort of. Uh, like there's a, there's a scenario in which he's, in my book he might stay on the list next year, and that's if we trade out Broadbent, Partlet, yada yada yada. Then you go, well, gee, now our halfback's looking kind of thin. Maybe we do keep him around as like the you know 36th player on our list, but that's any scenario, you know. Um, and that's not happening because those guys that we could be trading aren't going out. So same case as Cracker, yeah, Crack, you're out because you're out of contract. Well, O'Shea, guess what, mate? You know you're probably out of contract. Oh, no, I think he's out of contract. Um, oh, of course, the rumour on the forum that we're going to resign him makes me wonder what's going on there as well. But, yeah, he could totally go. He yep. could totally go. Right, let's move on and talk about the next player, which is Carla Amon, who is a 21-years-old, third season on the list, played 15 games, kicked 10 goals, averaged 14 disposals, two inside 50s, two and a half tackles, and a goal assist a game. Well, there's been a lot said about Carl this year, both positive and negative. Um, where do you both sit on the uh, Carl Amon spectrum? Porsche loves him. No, that's not Amon, true. You've, you've been the Amon defender all year. No, it's not true. After the Carlton game, <laughs> I was the head of the the burn him burn him brigade um, mm. because he was he was terrible in that game. Like at the ground, you could see he was terrible. Yeah. Um, but after that, I pretty I, I was a bit more. He changed. You know, he, he adapted. He, he I think he got told you're not going in, and in the weeks after that, he actually did correct it. Um, He's a young player. He clearly needs direction, and the good part is that he clearly responds to direction. So that's 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 coachable. That's good. That's actually pretty good, believe it or not. Um, you know, if the if they if the player clearly changes how they're playing, but in response to coach direction, that's all everything you want in an AFL player. So that's not a detriment to me. Um, I think he showed some good glimpses. Um, it's hard to know what he's going to be in the next year. It, it's really hard to tell. Um, partially, it'll come down to opportunity. I don't know. I, I don't know what his up. I don't know what his long term future is. I could see him being a player that he's got enough for the magic dust on him right now that he might get traded. But I think that they like him as a player. And I'm not saying this is jobs for the boys thing, but I think they back in his character and his work to move to another level next year. And mm. with a young player like him, I probably think that's a fair position to take. You know, he's not 25. Um, so I think he's probably on the list again next year. Um, but if he has another, if he has a season as inconsistent as this one, then next year he would definitely be on the outer to be traded cheaply. Or you know, if he has a bad season, he might be listed. So yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. I'm indifferent myself. I uh, I'm not in love with Carl, and I'm not. Uh, going to be devastated if he goes or stays, to be honest. Has he really done enough, though? Has there been significant improvement in his game? I think yeah, well, I mean, he's been a lot this year, to be honest. So, yeah, look, yeah, there's yeah, no doubt yeah. early in the season, he was there was a lot of criticism over his lack of awareness and uh, maybe mm. he was a bit soft. And I think that might have been maybe a bit justified, especially in that Carlton game, um, that run-down tackle, and then the next game he played against, I think, Melbourne, uh, the exact same thing happened. You just thought, God, are, are you ever going to learn? But then he did actually learn. And you actually watch him play. You watch him at the ground. He does 
more um, he does more off the ball running. Um, like he's almost like Ebert in that regards. Like he just runs and runs to try and create an option. If he doesn't get used, he'll run in a different direction. Doesn't get used, he'll do something different until he is used. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think that's that's a part of his game which a lot of people don't recognise exists. Um, and I think it's actually a pretty crucial part to uh, to his game and also um, to our team as well. And look, I thought he certainly improved throughout the season. His second half of the year, I thought was uh, was actually really good. Um, and I think he's still got a lot of improvement left in him. Yeah, um, and I also like the criticism that he's soft. I don't agree with that because I. Like we, you know, we saw him take some actual hits and you know do yeah. some good tackles and all that stuff. I don't think he's a soft player, but I think that he has had games where he hasn't made the correct call on whether he should go in or not. But I don't think it's because it's, he's soft. I think it's because he can't judge whether he's trying to be outside or inside at that moment. Because it's always when he's in that middle middle space where he's yeah. close to a contest, but he's not far enough away to be leading. Um, and that's when he does get caught out, and that's something he needs to improve on. Um, on the upside, he's not doing the cane corns standing two metres away calling for a hand pass. So that's nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like about him, he's got good pace. He uses the ball well. As I said, he's averaging a goal assist a game. Um, you know, if he can become a 30-goal-a-year flanker, I'd be pretty bloody happy, to be honest. I think everyone would, Macca. That'd be pretty nice. We could do with one of them right now. Do you think he can get there? Do you think he's got that sort of scope? I think that I would be willing to take another punt on him on the basis of where he's come from to get to this point and the fact that he seems to do all the right things on field as far as his preparation. Like, you don't hear anything negative there. And on field, like you say, he does the hard running. Like, I think he's got enough. I think he's one thing he has proven this year, he does have a work ethic. Um, and for a young player with a work ethic and talent, and he has proven he's got a bit of talent, it's being inconsistent, but he's proven he's got it, no? then I think that there's enough there to say that next year you could reasonably expect um, improvement on this year. And that's great. That's all you want at this point. And then you make an assessment at the end of the next year. Does he have the awareness, though? Um, I think he showed through the second half of the year that his awareness is something that improved out of sight. Um, Again, he's only young. Like, he's only 21 years old. He's only played, like, 25 games. Yeah, and, um, and hey, look, it's also Rich calling you out on awareness when you're Mr. Pittard, mate. Come on. Considering it took Jasper, yeah. what, seven seasons to get to a decent level in terms of his awareness. <laughs> no, no, no. Pittard, I think he's Pittard, got and he climb on his get, side, and he, and he still gets run down. He just didn't get, he just didn't execute properly. That's yeah. all. But he was aware, and he was aware of he the mistakes. He still got run down, though. Tomorrow. He was aware of his unawareness, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think there's as big a gap between their relative awarenesses as is being made out. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, right. I, I, I'm pro Amon, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm pro Carl as well. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next year. I think he can improve again and become a pretty key player in our side. And uh, look, hopefully that happens. Where does um, he sit on our list? Thirty-ish. Is he about what thirty-ish on our list? A bit higher. Said. Somewhere between twenty and twenty-five. I don't think you can describe our list in a one to forty. I think you need to use an NFL-style depth chart because <laughs> positional demands. Yeah, like you might say, okay. oh, he's in the thirties on our list, but as far as half-forward flankers, he's probably one or two or three. That sounds that sounds like three. a great job. That sounds like a great job for you this week, Porsche. Could you post something up? 
No, I have no intention of doing that. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. That would be awesome. I'm, I'm already doing draft you... stuff. Come back in yeah. November or something, or December. I'll give you a pay, I'll give you a pay rise. Oh, great. What? You mean I'll get something? <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe. Let's move on and talk about the next player, which is Charlie Dixon. 26 years old, first year at Port oh. Adelaide. Played uh, 18 games, kicked 30 goals, averaged 11 disposals, 4 marks. Just under two tackles inside 50s and contested marks a game. I really didn't want to see Charlie in this sort of category. Um, and look, he's another that uh, has had a lot of press this year. Did he reach his pre-season expectations? No. Well, uh, what do you think? He Rick? didn't meet. He, he didn't meet his price tag or draft trading value expectations, but. For the only key position forward in a Port Adelaide forward line, I don't think he did as badly as we're talking about. But anyway, that's me. I think our game plan sucked for Charlie. I think it was like, oh yeah, finally we've drafted a really big tall guy, so let's just kick it long to him all the time. Um, And it doesn't matter how tall the the person is. If they're a key forward, most successful key forwards, as far as I know, are successful because they lead and take marks on a lead more often than not than just standing there and taking a big mark in a pack. I mean, have a look at Kurt Tippett. You know, how, how influential has he been this year and before? It, does, it just doesn't make sense. And our, our game plan was just kick it long and teams worked it out within two minutes. And, and so, you know, we were just outnumbered every time. And so he was sort of on the hiding to nothing. And I think you could see as the season went on, his confidence deteriorated. He, he was dropping more marks than probably what he should have taken. He, you know, he was, he was that also sort of, almost sort of guy with his marking. And, um, but I think, look, get the structure right. Um, and I mean, this year for me is a real anomaly and, you know, get, you know, get an influential ruckman like Paddy Ryder in the ruck, and and we and we win some more of the clearances and and break away. Well, maybe we might see that sort of leading forward orientated player from Charlie, and it could be the difference to get him as a fifty goal forward. So, um, so did he reach yeah, his preseason expectation? Because you had some pretty no, lofty expectations. No. Did I? I'm pretty sure I in our first don't. episode hope... this year, you said you wanted to see him kick seventy goals or somewhere around. <laughs> I hope, I hope you've got that on recording. Yeah, I'm pretty I don't sure I do, saying that. <laughs> I don't recall. Rick, I don't Rick, recall saying that at all. You, you don't want to challenge. You don't want to challenge a guy like Macca to go through old podcasts and find things you said because he'll find an entire show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, look, yeah, no. I'm well, very, did we I'm have too high expectations this year? And was he always uh, maybe destined to underperform a little bit? I think uh, that what has happened to Dixon is that he spent all pre-season thinking he wasn't going to be the only tall forward in our side, and then he spent the whole season being the only tall forward in our side. Yeah, well, that was the next question that I had, is did we as a club give Charlie the best possible chance to succeed, or are we culpable in his underperformance? We're definitely culpable for multiple reasons. Um, But also, I mean, other things impacted it. Um, I guess from a here's, here, here's your drinks, guys. If from a list management perspective, we are culpable because we don't have support key position forwards, and we had um, injury prone uh, half forward 
inside 50 type players in White and Polek who, unsurprisingly, were kind of injury and form prone. Mm. Um, so, you know, and we don't have a lot of depth there. That's why Amon has had a crack and he's done all right. That's why Jarman Impey did get played at field and he's done all right. But that is still an area where we are legitimately weak. Um, and if you're a leading forward, it is nice to have guys that can kick it and get it to you on the sweet spot. Ideally, so you can take a chest mark instead of having to worry about your concrete hands. But we definitely don't have anyone that's doing that. So, yeah. Look, I was really excited to see what he would do this year. And I was really excited to see how he would play under our previous sort of game style. Because I think that would have suited him a lot better. But especially, you know, you look from 13 to 15, we played that hard-running slingshot. You know, hard-leading style of play. Kick to space and... We'd let uh, Schultz sort of run onto the bowl and mark it, but um, this year we just changed our game plan entirely to just bomb it on top of uh, Dixon's head, and I don't think it suited him at all. It didn't suit the club at all. Um, as we've said all year, the game plan stinks. Um, maybe Charlie's uh, got to take some uh, credit for that as well in terms of, you know, in his last, what, eight games he kicked four goals, which uh, I don't think is anywhere mm. near good enough. Um, no. But... I don't think we gave him the best possible chance to succeed this year. And, um, you know, losing Schultz at the start of the season, not replacing him, just put too much pressure on Charlie, I think. And um, it was pretty easy for uh, opposition defenders to um, to shut him out. And well, he, There's no doubt he played some really good games throughout the year. He kicked five goals twice. Um, and I think um, at the 10-game mark of the season, he was sitting on 26 goals. Um, unfortunately, he only kicked four more for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. He had his foot injury as well, though. I mean, that was one of the best um, shots at goal near the end of the season there, where he just sort of shaked it because his foot was obviously numb. But, um, yeah, it's... Look, I don't know. It's hard. I'm willing to I'm willing to be enthusiastic and run him in as another 70-goal forward in 2017 before yeah. I put a line through him. I think there's... If the team's up and firing, I can see it in. Yeah. So what um, can we do I, I, to get I... the best out of him? Well, look, I mean, I'm really excited because we're going to come out aggressive in trade week and we're going to correct the issues that we just talked about in our forward line and half forward line. So if we do that, then Charlie X is going to have a great 2017. Yeah. 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 Can we we bring back the Butch? To do what? We can always redraft him. Because I tell you what, I'd be more enthusiastic if our list... The way our list is looking, I would, I'd be more enthusiastic with Butcher back in it than uh, not at the moment. Because uh, who's going who's to be our other forwards? Look, I've been thinking about this, um, if you don't mind a, a brief diversion. Um, and that is that I think, contrary to my previous stance on these things, I think we need to start recruiting third tall forwards, but recruiting lots of third tall forwards that are, some of them are... So basically guys in that, you know, 190 to 194 height bracket. But you make a mix of leading forwards. You make them, you get the ones that are these big midfielders that are going around with the early picks. Um, some of them strong ones, some of them fast ones. And then you sort of crowbot your forward line a little bit so that you've got guys that can lead all day and then you can put up with having a, a kick and hope defence because you've got guys that are a, a good mix that's hard to match up on and they're all quite tall. I don't know, maybe we could give that a crack. I have to think about it a bit more. That's not a finalised, hey, we should do this thing, but I think there's probably something to say for doing that. And the thing about these mid-height players that are a bit short to be like genuine key position is that they're actually not too hard to get in draft as well. So, um, don't know. That's my thought for forward line. But we've, I think a forward line is definitely needs attention. It needs attention <laughs> really quite badly. 
Well, it's good to see that we're actually addressing that in this trade week. I'm really excited by that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, as much as I'm saying we need better forward, um, you know, the top two defences were the grand final sides, weren't they? So, hmm. I think that's right. because of their structures more than anything. Yeah. Anyway. You're right. I'm derailing once Last again. player is a Jake Need, who is a 22 years old, fourth season at Port Adelaide. Played 17 games, kicked 15 goals, averaged 11 disposals, just under four tackles and three inside 50s a game. How was Jakey Boy in uh, 2016? Just waking uh, up when Porsche's finished. <laughs> I was not going to say very much, Rick. What I was oh, going to really? say, yeah. What I was going to say is that uh, until he got his contract, he was not getting on the scoreboard, but he was at least a rare, consistent, uh, accountable forward. And then he got his contract and got dropped, and then he disappeared. So there's two Jake needs: the one that got the contract and the one that's post contract that we have for another two years. You love the fact that he's got a two year contract, don't you? Um, I. Guess you could say that if you think that I'm the sort of person that likes being angry, that you, if you if you assess my personality <laughs> and you're saying Porsche likes being angry, then you might be right. I, I'd like to I'd like to try I'd like to not be that person. So I don't know. It's a conflicted <laughs> thing. Uh, well, he's four years into the, well, he's four years into the system, and he's still averaging the same as what he did in his debut season. Um, Mm-hmm. Does he really do enough to justify playing 17 games in a season? Uh, no, and he certainly doesn't do enough to justify a two-year contract extension. Yeah. Well, the next question I've got from that is, does that level of security um, make him complacent? Or do you think it might give him the confidence to take that next step? I don't believe long-term con- contracts give confidence. Um, maybe for like a new draft day, but even then, like you know, it's it's good. It's important for everyone on an elite list to have a rocket under them saying, "Hey, you are not here for a good time. You are here to be a good player." You know, that's that's it. You're here to work. This is not your play place. This is not where you are good mates with cool guys that have lots of money so you can go partying. This is a place where you have to work. Mm. I really think that you know a huge part of our malaise over the journey since the beginning of Peter Road. And carrying on to Chris Davies, because let's face it, that's who he took all his cues from, being someone that hasn't worked with AFL contracts before coming to Port Adelaide. Um, we've contracted too long habitually, um, and that has been a, a huge cause of our complacency. And then you see players in contract, you think, oh, he's had a good year, and then he gets another long-term contract, and then he goes back to normal. And, of course, here I'm talking about Dustin Westhoff, so let's get back to Jake Need. We don't know if Jake Need's going to do the same thing, because he's not making the first 22 as soon as he got signed, so who knows? Yeah. You know, is that is that is that complacency? Or is it just that he was not good enough and we made a contract mistake? I think it's probably the second. Yeah. Well, for a small forward, a guy that plays pretty much solely in the forward fifty, um, or up on a flank, he only kicked goals in eight games out of seventeen this year. That's nowhere yep. near good enough. No, nowhere, nowhere. It's absolutely not good enough. Yeah. I like Jake Need. I think he should be around. I think next year will be the year of Jake Need. I like him too. He just needs to kick more goals. He just needs to impact more. Like we just need like if someone's going to play that role, it's all well and good to have good tackling pressure and good defensive pressure, but you also need to hit the scoreboard. You know, we're a team that's finished tenth. We don't kick enough goals. 
we need everybody in that forward line to be a, a, a goal-kicking threat. And at this point in time, um, apart from the odd game here or there, Jake Need is not a goal-kicking threat. Yeah, but the whole he's... thing was dysfunctional, and it's he's the sort of player which is going to look the worst in a dysfunctional side. So Mate, he's a, he's a, he's a glorified Nathan Steinburner. You know, he's a running tackle and nothing else. But I like Steinburner. He was a good player. He wore a helmet. <laughs> he he sat down running things. Our game style this year sh- uh, should have really suited Jake Need to a tee, quite simply, yeah. because he knew exactly where he had to go, um, and he was just never there. Yeah, but the our worst, structures the worst, were there. Because the why, never we, why, did, why didn't we have crummers around Dixon every time we long, bombed it long? He was we the didn't. crummer. Yeah, but he was never there. <laughs> well, where was he? that's it. You're saying you like you, and you're saying where were you when, you know. I think you've got a bit of a, what is it called, a cognitive dissonance there, Rick. Um, no, it's the, co- the coaches. What are, what are the coaches' instructions? What's their structural setup? And it shouldn't just be Jake Nee. There should be a couple of players around the fall of the ball, but we had nothing. You know, when it's when there's one guy marking the ball and you've got one crummer and there's five or six opposition defenders, they're just going to go ring-a-ring-a-rosy until they get the ball out. Well, yes, that's what happens when you have six players against two, Rick. That's exactly right, and it's frustrating. Yeah. That, that's that, that means, but that's not the fault of the tall or the small in that situation. That's the fault of the guy kicking into the forward line. So I don't. Think well, that's, that's, well that's so that's what I'm saying. That it is relevant because that's what I'm saying. Our structure. But, but we just uh, Jake said Need is a Jake needs a victim of our structure. No, I don't agree because the games where he performed, either. the games where he performed were games where our structure was kind of stuffed. Um, well, <laughs> realistically. He doesn't get a look in for marking and goaling. Unfortunately, I don't have the same TV and access to the recordings of the previous games at this point in time. So I can't go back to the tape and thoroughly research to see uh, the structural position of Jake Need. But I'm going to go on my gut instinct and say that the coaches are letting him down and our game styles are letting him down. Mm. I want to hear what Dylan thinks. What do you think, Dylan? You've been quiet over there, or is Macca really ignoring you this time? Dylan, Dylan no, I can, has. I can tell you what Dylan thinks, Macca. Yeah, he, <laughs> he said there's kids coming side, through man. every year that can light it up and impact the scoreboard. Need has had four or five years and hasn't been um, been up to it. Move on. Oh, two more years. Small forward yeah. is one of those positions that doesn't take time to slot in or physically adapt. So he's uh, certainly not in your uh, corner, Rick, on this one. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I said that Need should go. Is shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Need is one of those players that you want to love because you know he gets involved. He loves a goal. Um, He just looks like a player that you just want to get around. (laughs) But it's just not happening. Like the results aren't there. As a small forward, you need results. Um, there's literally three players that we're going to talk about this um, on Thursday night on the podcast that could pretty well slot in and do his job straight away. Immediately. Um, immediately. And there's four or five guys every year that could do the exact same thing and get the exact same results. And um, most of them are South Australian. <laughs> and most of them are South Australian, that's right. And you don't give two-year contracts to guys that kick goals in eight games um, as a small forward. It's just not good enough. So then what's our list manager and our footy manager doing then? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a very good question. George Costanza. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, there's, a burger, there's a burger theory not far from Medihead Stadium, so I imagine they're probably spending a bit of time there, I'd guess. But honestly, isn't that isn't that the question? It would be like Chris Davies calls Jason Cripps and goes, Jace, mate, um, you know, Needy's out of contract. What are you, what's coming through in the draft? You know, is there plenty of smalls around? Or, you know, should I give him a two-year contract or a one-year contract? What are you thinking? You know, oh, yeah, give him a two years, man. There's not much floating around. Um, you know, what are they doing? Are they actually communicating and, and getting sort of an agreement on, on what's actually happening out in the marketplace? I, well, I'm not well, convinced. I will add an unfair comment I made several years ago that now I remember it actually seems might be maybe fair. Jason Cripps as a player was a guy that was hung on to by his club for a very long time during a lot of injury. Like, I think he has had the record at the time for being the lowest player, the slowest player to reach 50 games or 100 games, one of those milestones because he spent so much time on a list and couldn't really perform because of injury. So he is clearly a person that has been rewarded heavily by a club, and maybe he thinks that how clubs are run. <laughs> you know, like you hang in them because they're going to work out, because that's what I did. So maybe that's what maybe he's got a natural bias towards that. And, you know, when I said that a few years ago, it was probably a bit unfair at the time, but now I'm kind of thinking, mm, maybe it's not all that unfair. Maybe that is just a natural bias he has to is to stick fat with guys, as you do under Grant Thomas and all these guys. Um, you know, I wonder if that's a I wonder if that's just something we've we've got guys that want to be um, have mature discussions and have, you know, uh, not too much to do. Uh, and hang with guys that they think are good blokes and that are going to try a bit and give them lots of chances. But that's not elite football. No. What's Chris Davies' new nickname, Porsche? Um, football George. Football George. Football George. That's it. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch Seinfeld. Yeah, actually, Maki, can you wrap it up with a Seinfeld thing? Boom, 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 boom. All right. See you later, everybody. Yeah. Speak Thanks. to you on Thursday. Cheers. Puts the ball across towards a teammate. Ritz hand pass, though. Slapped. But now needs away. Everything falling into place. Need the beneficiary running down towards the 50. Lines up. Bacon goal square. How about this? This is breathtaking.